0: welcome back to the clemson podcast joined here today with sb nation shaking the southland senior writer quacking tiger to recap national signing day so qt thanks again for joining us no problem i like that senior writer. that that sounds good i, I don't even know if it's true I just, I just thought it sounded good so i thought
1: yeah, hey i'll take it <laughs>
0: But uh, no, it's a it, crazy day, I think some some highs and lows probably the most dramatic signing day uh that we've had in quite some time. Um, but I guess maybe just to put it on like a grade scale and we can start high level um, and then kind of go from there what what would you give this grade maybe relevant to like last year is like a as kind of a, a
1: comp yeah, you know i mean this this uh, year is totally unique um one of the things that the staff Clemson in general likes to do is have the entire recruiting class kind of put the bed done, uh, by the, the second to last week of, uh, visits. And then the last week is always just spent on moving into 2017. You get all the junior recruits there on campus. You get them trying on all the uniforms. You get them, uh, you know, having that experience before, uh, they go to other campuses. So it's really fresh and really new. And in fact, that's one of the things that our little details. I think that our staff does really well that people outside of the program don't, don't recognize. Um, Dabo Sweeney is just really good at, at, at those little kind of uh, things that uh, connect the class early and, and get us in a good position early. Um, but in regards to, to this class versus last class, you know, if, if we, I didn't feel like we were going to land Rashawn Gary, then, you know, I'd be ecstatic right now because we landed everybody that, uh, that we wanted to land everybody that we targeted. I mean, we, we went, you know, uh, four for four here at the end with those targets and we, we missed on Gary, but I, you know, I can't say that I'm not a bit lugubrious, right? Isn't that the word? <laughs> that's yeah, that's the one. Uh, because, you know, and I'm, we'll talk about Gary, but, um. I'm not the only one who thought that we were going to land Rashawn Gary. Uh, Definitely some, some controversy there at the end, but definitely, uh, you know, and we'll talk about, I I think meeting needs, but this, this class does uh, meet most of our our needs. It's, it's a strong class on the offensive side of the ball. Um, It's more of a complementary class building uh, depth, building, pieces for the future, right? You're not going to have a lot of guys that are like a Mitch Hyatt last year. Who's got to step in right away. Uh, Jake for Morgan, who, you know, is taking a third of the snaps at, at right tackle. I don't think you're going to have that kind of impact on, uh, on offense, but certainly on defense, this is a, um, a, a reloading type of, of class. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I give it an A because, uh, because we, the, 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 staff got the guys that they wanted to get. I mean, they, they identified the people early on that they wanted to land and, and we went out and got them. So, um, you know, we'll talk about based on need, maybe an A is a high grade. How about an A minus that sounds about, I think, um, where we would put this class, the, the Florida state class, which, which I hope we'll, we'll talk about that, that class definitely gets an A. Um, and that's something to worry about moving forward. But yeah, I mean this is a this is a top ten class. It was a smaller class, we knew that going in. Um and uh and it's definitely, you know, a very, very strong class. You can't can't complain about anything.
0: Yeah, it sounds like if we would have landed Gary, that'd have been at least like an A, if not an A plus walk
1: off yeah. grand slam, um, to kind of seal things. I uh, mean, but- I would go I would go so far as to say if we landed Rashawn Gary that we punched our ticket to the playoff. Um you know, I mean, that's how big of an impact and how good of a player Rashawn Gary really is. So, um, I guess that that's kind of um, where I'm, why I'm a, a bit, you know, uh, lugubrious or or whatever, right now, because well, you're right there at the finish line and you almost got the number one player, uh, and it doesn't happen for you. So, it's tough, tough not to not be at least a little bit disappointed. Yeah, we, like. Like
0: championships, recruiting. If you miss, there's no prize for second place. Absolutely, um, there's no trophy. Well, like, what was your leading up? I mean, you don't have to like give all your your intel, your sources, but w- what were your thoughts? What was your confidence going in that we would land Gary? And kind of, I don't know, what kind of transpired over the last 48 hours, 72 hours uh, leading up?
1: Well, there there's definitely a lot of, you know, and I I wrote about this on on uh, on the website and in my updates, but there there's a lot of uh, feeling on the Michigan side that this was just going to be a, a visit to go and see some family, that, uh, that it was good that Clemson got the last visit versus Alabama getting the last visit. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, you know, we were absolutely in this, and uh, and it wasn't some, you know, outside shot, puncher's chance kind of a thing. Uh, We were legitimately in this and and that's one of the tough things I think is being so close, being in the position and and having, uh, you know, I I will absolutely say that there were people on campus who felt like at the end that Gary was going to sign with Clemson and were extremely disappointed that this did not happen. Uh, And, and, you know, I mean, and it's pretty obvious You, you Dabo doesn't do things like, you know, talk about, Potentially landing another player in the class in his, you know, recruiting uh, extravaganza in the morning there, um, if he if he didn't feel like it, and you just look at Brent Venables' face, that guy was, I mean, he was so giddy, he was he was ready for it to happen. Um, so you know, ab- absolutely, we were in this, uh, and and I would go so far as to say that there is nothing that Clemson could have done better that they didn't do. Um, you know, we, uh, we schooled Michigan. Uh, they, they, they didn't see what was coming. I mean, we did a, a brilliant job of positioning ourselves. Um, and we couldn't have done anything else within, within the rules of recruiting in the NCAA. And it, I mean, I
0: know we got a lot to talk about, but I mean, just one, maybe one last question on Gary, do what did it come down to? Is it his familiar familiarity with the Michigan program? I think taking like six or seven visits there to versus like two for Clemson or what was it ultimately?
1: Well, you, you know, they, they weighed a lot. I mean, there is a lot of pressure on that decision. Um, so, it, you know, there isn't just one thing I think that, um, put it over the top for, for Michigan. Um, uh, because uh, going into the visit, there was a lot of uh, how do I put this misinformation, or there there were uh, questions that Clemson needed to answer, and and Clemson answered all of them, right? And so you know uh, the things that put the put Michigan over the top, or was Gary's familiarity with with friends and things, um, you know, those, those that was definitely a factor. Uh, there's definitely people within. Gary's inner circle that we're pushing it very strongly to, to Michigan. Um, you know, and you, you can't discount the fact, uh, that Gary's former coach is, um, on the staff there at Michigan and, uh, and was, um, hired to be able to, uh, deliver on the type of prospect that, that Gary is, um, you know, I mean that's a powerhouse program that that he built, and he came from the coach there and um you know that's that's what his job is right as recruiting coordinator is to be able to uh recruit well to those places so um yeah i I think that those were the the main things that that pushed Gary there, and I know that's really still very broad um and I think more information and things will come out that that clemson would want to come out uh uh, in the days that that follow so i'm gonna i'm still a bit peeved myself so i gotta make sure i don't say say anything or say too much uh there so sorry sorry i can't give you more
0: no no that's that's fair and i think maybe we can look to like a brighter the brighter side because this was a great class and uh, I'd maybe start with Dexter Lawrence because even though we didn't get the number one player in the class in many years or other years, you could say Dexter Lawrence would have been the number one player in a lot of classes. So um, maybe start talking about him. I know he was like on your, on your wish
1: list and absolutely. Game changer, right? Oh, absolutely. This, this guy's a war daddy. I feel sorry for ACC offensive coordinators um, I actually went on the SB Nation like live national show or whatever, and um, you know I thought that they were going to ask me about storylines, and I mean I totally blew it on that show. So I'm glad I get to talk about Dexter <laughs> Lawrence here because you know they told, asked me about storylines, and I kind of blabbered on too long, and then they asked me about uh, you know Tavian Feaster, and I said that, and then they cut quickly away, and I was like, oh no, I need to talk about Dexter <laughs> Lawrence. So here we go. Yeah. Dexter Lawrence, six foot, four and a half, right? 335 pounds, a true nose tackle. Um, And I made the argument um, that in terms of like value, there are so few true nose tackles that come along that Dexter Lawrence may not be the best player. Rashawn Gary is the best player in the nation, but in terms of like scheme and, and value, There is an argument that could be made that Dexter Lawrence is more valuable to your defensive scheme because he, he plugs the middle, he pushes kids and, and he doesn't, he's not just a run stopper. Like some people nationally have this view that he, you know, he's a big guy. He's just a run stopper. He absolutely can push the pocket, rush the passer. Um, and he has an elite rip move, right? His use of hands are just amazing. So it looks like offensive linemen are just kind of, you know, Dabo said it said it uh, today that they just you know they kind of fall back right because uh, he's got the technique and the power to go with it. Um, and on top of that, Dexter Lawrence is like one of the best, most humble kids that you're ever gonna like meet in in high profile recruiting. I mean, it's just ridiculous how how awesome and kind of like personable, quiet, gentle giant. Um, you know, I, I mean, I couldn't be happier that that we landed. Dexter Lawrence uh in this class um he, he's absolutely a game changer war daddy you line him up next to Christian Wilkins and and you wreak havoc and I know in in uh his recruitment that they talked about moving him around because he's he played defensive end himself on his high school team at, at times so I think they will be uh I, I think we may get creative with with some packages and I know we said that for Christian Wilkins last year and it didn't really come to fruition um but that's because you know Dodd emerged and and Lawson you know was one of the best players. In the, I mean they're both some of the best players in the nation. So we'll see if there's a need for us to get more creative, uh, and in certain packages, put put uh, Dexter Lawrence on the outside. That would be ridiculous, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean a guy that's three forty that can move like that, and I was I watched his uh, the Army All American game. You know they they always pass in that game. They don't really run the ball a whole lot, but. I just like for like a whole quarter because I'm a nerd, I just watched his film, just watching him blow the, uh, the high school offensive lineman off the ball. And I, I bet there will be similar results on the college level. But do, do you, think you see him is like instant impact right away, too deep, maybe even, I don't know, possibly starting? Well, probably not
1: starting, but at least too deep. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. Carlos Watkins is, uh, is a great player and it's going to get drafted next year. Could have been drafted this year. Um, I think Scott Pagano, like I, everyone forgets about Scott Pagano and how good he was at the beginning of, of the season without DJ reader in there. And, you know, Pagano is, is, uh, going to be a a really good player, I think for us and, and going to just continue to progress, um, it's a good problem to have because Christian Wilkins isn't going to have any snaps taken away from him. And then you have Dexter Lawrence who's there, but you know, I mean, this is something that coach Brooks loves to do, right? He rolls, he will roll four guys, five guys, you know, Huggins is there in the the periphery and he's uh, got a fight for more snaps, but he's still got potential and, and has a high ceiling. If he can put together the technique to go with his physicality, um, So yeah, I see, I see Lawrence actually probably, um, having more of an impact than Christian Wilkins or, or the same impact Christian Wilkins would have had if he didn't have that small, uh, hand injury. If you remember in the, in the preseason or in the the lead up to the fall camp, um, Wilkins actually had a, a minor hand injury. So he, he wasn't able to lift and get as strong, um, as he wanted to. So I think, Dexter could have even more impact and we're going to need him right, right off the bat. I mean, we're going to go to Auburn. And, um, and if you've watched the film of the, uh, the Juco quarterback commit that they have coming in, they're going to have a quarterback next year who can run, who's a legit dual threat. Uh, And so, you know, early on we're, we're our defense uh, and defensive line, specifically the defensive ends are going to be challenged. So yeah, I think Dexter Lawrence fits in immediately into the two D.
0: No, that's that's great and seven months away it's only it's only seven months I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how we're gonna get there but we will um maybe a, a just an easy segue going to defensive ends um, Xavier don't call him ex Xavier Kelly who uh, I, I watch his film and he just like he blows blows me away with his athleticism maybe yeah reality. Um, but we're going to need, and I, I could, and we could talk about the depth chart a little bit. Maybe um, focusing more on, on Xavier Kelly. But what, what do you see him next year? Um, does he hit the two deep? And uh, I don't know. How, to, how does that work?
1: Oh, he he absolutely hits the the two deep because that we just don't have the numbers at at the position, um, and we're going to need him to have a quick progression right i mean he's not going to have the. it would be great if we could redshirt him and then and have him progress um slowly uh and and have that kind of luxury of that curve um but he's going to get thrown into the fire right away um and he has the athleticism kelly is you know i mean he's doing windmill jams and fast breaks and he's he's an amazing athlete but but he you know he plays against kind of weaker competition and his technique will need to evolve. Um, and he'll need to, to learn to bend a little bit more coming off the edge and, um, and adjust to the speed and, and the competition, uh, that he'll face. But there's nobody better in the business than, than hobby. And he's proven time and time again, that he's been able to get young players ready to play. So, uh, he, I, he will be in the two deep. Um, I, I absolutely think so it's just up to him whether, you know, how, how, uh, how quickly he can progress. I, you know, I personally see his progression more like Richard Jurgen in terms of his impact, um, versus like an Austin Bryant last year. Um, but, but we're, you know, he was the lone defensive end take. Um, and if there's anything that I said, uh, at the beginning of the year in terms of needs and where, where this class may not, um, you know, meet all of our needs it's gonna it's at defensive end and 2017 is going to be a really important year for you know getting some quality uh, instant impact defensive ends I, I think we'll be we'll, we'll have talent unproven talent it'll be raw it'll be or not raw it'll be uh, uh, you know just inexperienced um, but we have we have the talent there to be able to to compete it's just a matter of putting it all together so Kelly in the two deep. All the talent in the world, but it might take a little bit of time before he's able to to really harness it. And he's not uh, enrolled early, so he's not kind of going through the motion of of uh, or you know getting it ingrained in the the culture and into the system early.
0: Right, and that would be nice to have. And I'll I'll make a prediction. I always like you know making bold predictions, right? Um, I'll, I'll say that I, I think Kelly will be in time. Like you said, I don't necessarily think he'll. He'll be able to hit the ground running. He's he is raw, but I, I see him as maybe having some of the best NFL upside in the mm-hmm. whole group, maybe aside from uh, Dexter Lawrence. But he just he, the frame. It seems like he's is he
1: two fifty. Is that about right? I think I think right now he's he's at about. I think that's a fair number to put him at. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's fluctuating. Right, he's trying to put on weight and, and losing it, but he's not. He's not at two forty. Right, he, he's definitely getting up there. Yeah, he's
0: like one of these like Vic Beasley types where he's like two thirty and you get to you know two fifty. So, yeah. you know, he he's got a frame, he can probably get to two seventy by the time he's a senior and like a first a first step that you know, I don't see him losing too much speed. So hopefully yeah. kind of you're next guy up in terms of big names, uh defensive ends at Clemson. So And he has um, the
1: wingspan, right? And that's a huge part of of being a weak side defensive end these days. That weak span that wingspan, um, you know, it, it helps you play in space. Uh, much better and, and it can mask some of your deficiencies uh, or you know you, problems with technique because you have that freakish athleticism to move so quickly and the wingspan to to uh, fill your gap that way
0: right and it seems like that's become a, a trend but anyway maybe looking at uh, the next group I would I look at the linebackers and oh absolutely uh, that's that's one that just gets you really giddy um, so we talked a little bit about you know Trey Lamar Shaq Smith and and Jamie Skalski, but maybe for the guys that are listening in for the first time, just give like a quick rundown on what, you know, maybe each guy brings to the table. And, and did we, did we get an A plus at least at the linebacker position?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's no way we didn't get an A plus uh, at the linebacker position. Um, Some of the recruiting services have big uh, discrepancies or differences uh, with regards to some of these linebackers and, and I just think they're dead wrong. Like, you know, I think scout had Shaq Smith in the two hundreds or something like that. It's like, what in the world? Um, let's start with Trey Lamar though, because I, I think he's still one of the more underrated, uh, linebackers, at least according to everyone other than rivals, because rivals bumped him up to a five star there at the end. And I've been saying the whole time, like, look at his senior film. Um, He has improved dramatically from from his junior year to his senior year in his ability to uh, cover side to side. He's uh, he's not as stiff in his hips, right? But uh, aside from that, he's a perfect fit to Brent Venable's scheme because he attacks, he's violent, he's a thumper, Um, you know, he's going to fill his gap. And he's also just really an intelligent and he's majoring in civil engineering, very intelligent. Um, it, there, there was a sobering statistic that, uh, I think it was Larry Williams put out on, on Twitter about, um, the, uh, the amount of snaps and the, the kind of impact of true freshman linebackers. And, and it is one of the hardest positions I think on the defense to, to have an, an impact um, but Clemson will need Lamar and Smith, uh, to come along quickly because we, again, we just do have, we have no depth at linebacker. You got Ben Bower and Goodson's gone. And, and then, you know, you're relying on Kendall Joseph to, to get healthy, to come around and, and then some, you know, guys who have grit and, uh, and, um, you know, are scrappy, but may not have that high level of, of, Kind of talent that, that we're looking for at linebacker. So Trey Lamar, very excited about him. I think he he absolutely is in the too deep as the season progresses. I mean he could he could start. It just depends on their mental progression, right? And uh, and um, and then Shaq Smith is uh, a little bit different. Um, in terms of, of body type, he has longer arms, right? He's kind of got this freakish frame, zero body fat on him at all. A little bit, uh, they're both like six, three, six, four. So, um, but, uh, Shaq is a little bit faster, I think, than, than Trey Smith. Um, and he'll be better, I think in coverage. He reminds me of, uh, of Stefan Anthony. I, I hate to make that kind of comparison to a first round draft pick, but, um, you know, he also is is really good if he's moving downhill and and uh, and attacking because he started at defensive end and then went to IMG Academy in in Florida and transitioned to linebacker. So I think that really helped him because he wasn't you know he was still kind of a, a hybrid jack defensive end ish linebacker but he learned how to play linebacker at img at a really good place so his learning curve isn't going to be as steep as it as it would have been if he was just kind of you know transitioning into being a full-time linebacker um so there's you know I, i think lamar will probably have a quicker impact just because i think he he'll adjust to the mental uh part of the game and and he's i think at least personally i think he's more of a a uh, fit at uh, at middle linebacker. So I, th- I think he'll get more snaps, um, but Shaq is going to absolutely going to be called on. They'll both end up in the two deep. And I think whoever's kind of mentally further along, that's where they'll get get plugged in. And Chad Smith is the other guy here uh, who, who we forget about, who last year redshirted because he, he had that same problem, right? He's got a ton of, ton of talent. Uh, you know, he needed to gain a little bit of weight. But the mental part of, of becoming a, a starting, you know, true freshman linebacker is really difficult. So uh, we have to temper our expectations a little bit for these five star guys or high four star, five star guys coming in and having that immediate impact. Um, but we're, you know, we're, we're going to need it to be a championship team later on in the season, certainly by the time we get to, to Florida State. Right, and in worst case, maybe they they help us on special teams because we certainly need oh, we certainly need an upgrade <laughs> there. Uh, oh, and I, I didn't talk about Skowski, and he's he's like a you know classic Brent Venables uh, linebacker, right? He's uh, he's not undersized; he's a little bit smaller, um, but he's you know tough as nails. He plays soccer, um, and actually, I got a a question on Twitter. I actually solicited some some questions on Twitter, but I I had one that asked me if he's going to have a legitimate chance at um, winning the kickoff job. Um, And I, I, they they will give him every opportunity to win that kickoff job. Anybody who can kick it into the end zone will get, will get a chance to do that. And, and, you know, Dabo was talking about it today. He would love to have uh, a line, you know, a starting linebacker to be a, be an attacking part of your special teams uh you know a uh, team that i mean that'd be amazing that'd be a, a gift so they will give him every opportunity i don't know how his leg is really strong from what i i've heard i, I you know i have no idea whether he can kick uh, it through the end zone but um you know i wouldn't be surprised Dabo would uh, that's just the kind of thing that Dabo would do right i mean it's kind of quirky and, and awesome that's so. that's
0: it's a, a great question and i had no idea he played soccer so it <laughs> So yes, would, you, yes. would you burn a red shirt for him just to get him on that kickoff team?
1: Um, oof. I would say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, oh man, would I burn a red shirt? Yes. Because, well, oh, I, I guess I'll let, let me qualify that. If he is far enough along that he is going to get, let's say 70 snaps. On, on uh, defense Like if he's mentally and physically Able to handle 70 snaps Because usually the number is 100 snaps right If, if a player isn't going to get 100 snaps Then it's probably best in their progression That they redshirt Because they, you know, they haven't gotten enough time on the field It would have been better to, to save it And, uh, and, and as, at STS that's kind of always what we use As our, our benchmark But If, if he's going to get about 70 snaps And he's going to play special teams full time then yeah i would i would do it i mean i i was there in the stadium right when drake caught the ball and i was like dead ah it's gonna happen he's gonna score a touchdown so anything to prevent that again I, i'm all for
0: yeah absolutely and maybe uh maybe looking uh, away from the linebackers because i mean it ended up being a pretty big class right it was supposed to be like 15 to 18 it's like 23 guys so uh we have a lot of people to talk about here um the the, yes. the na the uh the defensive backs so that that came out of nowhere it looked like we were gonna kinda go like go bust this this class on on defensive backs, but then you know the last what forty eight hours it's flipped it completely flipped it on its head
1: absolutely and and i mean the the two things the two minor i don't know i don't know if they're minor but the two Things that I kept going back to saying all throughout this process is we needed to take two defensive ends and we needed to take one cornerback, at least one cornerback and one safety, preferably two safeties and plan for attrition. That's what I said at the beginning of last year. uh, And I've been saying it all the way through. So I'm ecstatic. I mean, that's why I have this class as an A or an A minus because we filled those, those numbers. Now, I'm, you know, I'm like Dabo and I'm one of those people that was really vocal when tj green maybe it's probably too vocal when tj green decided to enter the, the nfl draft i mean I'm, and i'm really happy that he uh got the combine invite so you know i think he'll he'll get drafted pretty high but uh, you know at least in my opinion he had second round talent first round talent next year uh and Dabo said the same thing today so um they did not expect TJ green to leave. They, they definitely expected Carson and Mackenzie Alexander to leave. They were telling recruits that they were going to leave before. uh, Yeah, they were, they were telling recruits that those two were going to leave. I'll just say that. Um, and, uh, and so losing, you know, three starters is a big, big deal that, that we won't replace necessarily with these guys for immediate playing time next year, but they give us much needed depth, competition and and we aren't in a huge hole next year um next year's class in 2017 we have our pick right now of really great defensive backs i mean i you know i think we'll take four or five um i didn't expect us to take uh to take so many uh we took four i guess dbs when you count turner in that um so i didn't i didn't expect us to take that many so i'm not sure if the number is four or five that we're going to take next year but we're going to take a lot of, of defensive backs and they're all really high quality got top 100 guys that we're in the mix for um but we need guys next year to be able to 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 fill roles so um very happy that, that we uh, were able to to take the this many. Do you want to break down specifically uh, each recruit? Uh, not, they're not recruits anymore. Each commitment uh, that we have? I think maybe like just looking at Wallace
0: and uh, and Mullen as cornerbacks, like super talented uh, Mullen. What was he was like a top twenty five guy from ESPN? Can any, Can any of these guys, at least at cornerback, you know, step in in year one and and make an impact? It's kind of like I mean, it's kind of like linebacker it's not an easy position to learn
1: absolutely uh well i mean it's not an easy position to learn but um cornerback uh is is depending on like how complicated you're gonna make the scheme that the the player is is uh is running um they they can step in and and uh and perform at at cornerback um so yeah let's talk mullen um I had a question here about Mullen, sorry, that said, were you as stunned by the Mullen commitment as me? Total surprise. The Trayvon Mullen recruitment is one of the kind of uh, most complex, like weird um, twists and turns everywhere that, that I've encountered in, in a long time. I mean, you have to go back to Mackenzie Alexander, I think, to, to find a recruitment that was just as, as kind of tangled as this one, Florida state was always supposed to be the leader throughout the entire process. I mean, this is a kid who's coming from coconut Creek, Florida, a very good program. He is well-coached, well-schooled. And um, you know, there's some questions about his ability to stick at cornerback Uh, and, and all of these guys, they're going to, we're going to find out whether they can be free safety or cornerback. But you know, I think um, in our system, and with with Mike Reed, I think that we'll be able to get these guys to to stick uh, at corner um, in the same way that like nobody thought Tankersley was gonna that Tank was gonna be able to be a cornerback, but um, we we're able to work on his hip fluidity and and you know the, the label of him being stiff, um, and and he's you know blossomed into a great great cornerback. So there's a question of fit here. The, some of these guys may bounce between cornerback and free safety, or they may, you know, emerge as kind of nickel backs. But, um, back to Mullen, sorry, uh, Florida state leaned throughout the entire process. His mom was supposedly dead set on him going to Florida state. She's a big Florida state fan. Um, but I kept hearing that it, it wasn't Florida state. And so, um, he took his official to Clemson, which, you know, right there, that was a big deal because he had always kind of said oh this is my dream school and that's usually like the death blow to uh a team's chances with a with a recruit when they say oh it's the my childhood favorite or whatever um and uh and he you know he cited that early on clemson's what he liked but he never visited like he you know he all throughout the process he had all these opportunities to get on campus uh to come for games and things and he never visited so you know When that happens, it's usually like, okay, that's, you know, nice lip service. But he takes his official visit, and it's a great official visit. I mean, it was, you know, spectacular, amazing. Um, uh, Everything went well, right, on the official visit. And Clemson felt really good coming out of the official visit that they had a chance. Uh, And then he went to LSU. And then all all I heard coming out of LSU and from people at Florida State was that LSU – was the uh, was the threat and that they were likely to, to land him and they were trying to land him. But, but, at, you know, at the same time, Florida state's got uh, a really great class of cornerbacks, uh, uh, actually a kind of scary group of cornerbacks. And, and uh, you know, their, their class is just really great. Um, they have uh, Levante, right. I think is his name is five-star, you know, all everything uh, the next Jalen Ramsey for them. And and so you know they were uh Levanta Taylor right is his name sorry right right uh, um they you know they they had a lot of good recruits committed to them um LSU was the same same situation where they had you know Smith who we had targeted early and who liked us early and it looked like we were going to um you know get him to commit to us and then he took the LSU visit completely 180 turned and stayed with LSU for the rest of the process uh They, you know, they have a great cornerback DB class as well. So I think that, um, I I actually don't really know what happened with Mullen. I'm not sure anyone knew and Clemson up until signing, like they thought that they, they, there was a chance that he could commit to them, but there was also this feeling that maybe he had committed to multiple schools, uh, or at least told multiple coaching staffs that, that he was coming to them. Sometimes that's, that's what happens at the end of these recruitments that are a little bit, uh, complicated. Um, and you don't know what's going to happen. So, I, so, you know, Clemson coaches were ecstatic that they were able, able to do that. Um, and I guess I should say too, that the, the Clemson taking Simmons, uh, Wallace and Mullen meant that there was attrition that was going to happen. Um, because Dabo Sweeney wouldn't have taken the, the, this many players if, uh, because there, you know, that, the, there was only room for two. So there's going to be some additional attrition coming uh, to the, to the roster, just kind of heads up there. Uh, so, you know, I'm ecstatic about Mullen. I, I, I think he has, uh, a lot of potential. He is a kick returner, great, excellent speed, um, you know, kind of Florida speed and athleticism for days. Right. Uh, and he he has good technique. Um, he really struggled at the all American all-star game so much so that, you know, uh, I think it was rivals dropped him way down uh, their list, and you know put him on the the naughty list of you know bad performers or whatever. Um, and and I don't know you know whether that was scheme specific or you know they had him playing out of position or or whatever. But the tape that I've seen, and I viewed a lot of his tape. I went back and looked at a lot of it. He's solid. I mean he he will be able to to help us and contribute. Uh, at least you know kind of in with depth maybe in a kind of mark fields role next year um and and he has a ceiling i think that that's really high
0: Yeah. so yeah.
1: elite speed florida speed right absolutely i mean that
0: guy's fast absolutely and what about wallace uh would you say he was i don't know like overlooked because i mean i look at his film and he looks i mean i'm not saying he's uh He's not necessarily like it doesn't have elite speed, but he he looks really good he looks like a every bit of a four star and I believe like his highest rating was three star uh, it could be wrong, but
1: we'll just say you know he kind of he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit maybe <laughs> yeah, I think so I, well, I you know some of these kids that make a jump in their senior year i mean he's a perfect example uh we, we are so invested early in the process all star uh games and all star uh selections happen really early and they're based on offers and they're not always the best, the best players, but those players often get more scrutiny. They get more attention. Um, they're promoted more, uh, if, if we want to be that kind of cynical about it. Um, I don't think that there's this conspiracy plot, but I think it plays into some of the attention that, that certain recruits get over others. So, you know, he, he commits to Cincinnati. It's kind of sitting there, but, um, the fact that Ohio state comes in late and tries to challenge Clemson uh, to get Wallace. uh, And my information says that Wallace is going to pick Clemson regardless of what happened with Ohio state, Ohio state. um, You know, they, they were kind of full. I think they could have taken him. I could be wrong about that, but I, you know, they, they got the guy they wanted. There was possibility there that they could still take Wallace, but Wallace was gonna come to clumps coming out of of his visit despite ohio state being the childhood favorite right that's the the death blow there um yeah no i think waltz was he, he was a two-way player he's he's got great hands he's a pretty good wide receiver but he's not like an elite wide receiver and um and he'll you know be a, a long i mean all of these guys are long lean kind of athletic frames right the that uh, Clemson's looking for in in their defensive backs now um, in that kind of train change in philosophy on uh, cornerbacks and, and safety so there he's he is Wallace is extremely fast as well great straight line speed he's got good agility um, I you know I'm I don't know what the huge flaws are really in his game right now. Um, you know, and I, I don't know, you know, I haven't attended any of his games in Virginia and I don't know uh, anyone there to kind of rely on for, for the kind of insider knowledge that I would at other places, but looking at his film, you know, I'm, I'm saying the same thing as you, he should be rated higher. And I think the Ohio state um, offer validates that. And I do know that the staff, like this was their guy. Like they, they wanted, like coach Reed wanted Wallace, um, big time. Uh, so this isn't a, this is in no way a fallback prospect. Um, this is a guy that, that we had evaluated, targeted and wanted to get, uh,
0: speaking of maybe fallback prospects is Nolan Turner. And I can't remember, I, I don't remember you writing too much about Nolan Turner. Uh, um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> is he, is he a player? Or is he uh, more in the vein of a five heart Dabo?
1: Oh, uh, it's a great, amazing story. Right. That, that Dabo was, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure everyone's read about it, uh, with Turner and I, you know, I've just been holding my tongue because, uh, yeah, I, uh, it, from what everything that I've seen, you know, Dabo today went on and said, he's going to be the, the, like the, the best player in the, in the, uh, the, the class, right. And, and prove everybody wrong. And I, and I hope he proves, proves me wrong. Um, I, you know, he does, he has speed. He's got some, he's got some tools there. Uh, I'm I'm just not ready to jump on that, that bandwagon just yet. Uh, I I don't foresee him contributing in the near future. Uh, but I, I could be totally whiffing on that. Uh, I, I do think that he's a great story and um and from everything I've heard about him as a person is a great addition to the locker room. Um I I do oh we don't, you know this is the dead horse. We don't have to beat it right now. We just had signing day, but uh it, it does it does uh get difficult to maintain the the level of championship depth that you want at certain positions when you have five to six seven players that um may not ever make significant contributions
0: yeah we yeah we can leave it at that that's kind of a it's tough to be uh it's tough to be negative right now with with all the positive things that are happening. right but uh, right. uh just, and, you know it's like a, a real question though because if you look at the guy's film i mean he looks like a football player but i guess the question being is he athletic enough to, to make the plays and can he cover and, uh, and that's uh, i wonder about that but hey you know a good a good addition to the locker room so uh, and he's a tiger. We'll, we'll take him. Uh, maybe last guy there is Isaiah Simmons, who yeah, freak at freak athlete. Um, I don't know. I wonder if he can contribute and how how soon it will be before he can.
1: The so the knock on him by regional analysts is the same thing like that. He's too stiff in the hips, which for for a lot of uh, you know recruiting gurus and analysts, that's kind of like. Uh, you know that's a big black mark right is that if you're if you're too stiff in your hips then you're not sudden enough and at the safety position and at the linebacker position you know you have to be able to read your keys and respond to run pass really quickly right so that that ability to be sudden um and fluid as an athlete to to change direction really quickly um is is something that they they that recruiting analysts we, we really look at um and, and that's his big knock right now is that he's not – he's too stiff in the hips for him to change direction um, uh, as well as other players uh, at, at the safety position. But with Brent Venable's system and what we've done with with safeties, he's a perfect match. Right? I mean, he's, a, he's 6'3". I think he's 6'4", actually. 2'15"-ish, right? 2'10", 2'15". Um, and he's a – he's a physical specimen. He's got, you know, football bloodlines. Um, he's well-schooled. Uh, there'll be a, there'll be a learning curve and an adjustment. Um, he's, he's a pretty good wide receiver actually too. He has good ball skills, uh, good hands at, at the DB position, but he can come up and hit you. And, and that's what we want, uh, kind of, first i think in a lot of ways in our our safeties is the ability to come up in one-on-one situations and stuff the run and uh and fill gaps uh and he will absolutely be able to do that and he gives us simmons i i think is the is the guy in terms of safety depth uh that has a possibility to contribute next year depending upon you know uh understanding the mental part of it because there's a lot you know there's a lot to 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 learn about being a, a d1 safety and different coverages and looks and everything um but you know if they simplify things for him and certain packages have him come in i i think he could actually see the field next year um I, i'm not sure that's a great thing right you you, you definitely don't want a guy uh who as a freshman who, who doesn't have great cover skills coming in to the game, but he can fill a role and, and he will be a good uh, safety for us in the future, filling that, that kind of large Cam Chancellor, TJ Green, J. Ron Curse, uh, imposing physical specimen uh, that, that Brent Venables values. So I'm I'm really excited that that he jumped on board of, of all the the kind of guys that we've been after here at the end. He was one that I was really hoping we would land, um, and it wasn't clear that we were going to get him at the end. Um, but you know the coaching staff uh, was able to to really push hard at the end and and get him to commit.
0: Right, great. Great wrap up to the you know defensive back class, and you have to think. Looking at these guys, we got to have someone at the as a punt returner, a kickoff returner, among when you're talking about uh, Mullen, uh, Ray Ray McLeod, maybe even Ad Wallace there, uh, Cornell Powell, Mm -hmm. someone that can uh, return kicks and give us some kind of substance there. Uh, I'd like I like to think you know in their freshman year they can have some kind of impact.
1: Uh, well, and I think that the uh, at least with these DBs, they will be able to have an impact on special teams as well. Uh, you know, I could see Isaiah Simmons lining up on special teams, uh, Mullen with his speed. Uh, these guys could could contribute on special teams and, and fill kind of depth roles um, in the secondary.
0: Right. While well, while maybe hitting the two D for adding some um, quality depth uh, throughout yeah. the course of the season. So yeah, that that, that would work really well. Um, flipping, flipping to the other side of the ball and looking at the wide receivers. And I, I'm the more like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting with this group of wide receivers because none of them were, you know, your Sammy Watkins or um, five-star Deion Cain's, but man, just uh, you kind of get your pick of the litter and every single guy seems to serve a purpose and and be a really, really good polished receiver. Um, I don't know, maybe starting with Cornell Powell. I, I just, that's the guy I think that stands out the most to me.
1: Yeah, he's he's my. I mean, we're we're stacked on offense, right? And so this is what I was trying to say on that national SB Nation thing: is we're we're so stacked on offense that there there's there's not going to be a lot of opportunity for somebody to step in and fill a role like Mitch Hyatt did last year, right? Um, but of all the the players, I think Cornell Powell will be able. He, I mean, he's like my sleeper pick, under the radar guy. He he's. He jumped up on, on rivals. I, you know, I I actually really liked what rivals did this year. I think in their last round of of rankings, they got things right. Um, But I I had a little bit of a Twitter spat with Tom uh, Luganbill. That's how you pronounce it. Right. The ESPN guy guy on Twitter. I, I critiqued him for his, they have Cornell Powell ranked as a three-star, like not even like ranked right in their top 300. Uh, That's ridiculous. That, that's embarrassing. I, I'm I'm sorry. Like anyone who is at the Shrine Bowl practices will tell you that he was the best player there. Um and and he wasn't in, you know, the Army All-Star or the Under Armour All-Star game, but if he was, he would have excelled at those at those spots. I, I have I, I don't understand his evaluation of Cornell Powell at at all. Um you know, I think he does a fine job because he has to uh you know, they, they don't give him much resources, and he has to do a lot of work in putting and And, I, you know, I don't wish that on anybody trying to come up with these, you know, 300 lists or whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but, but to have him as a three-star, that's just, you know, that's bonkers. That's ridiculous. Um, Jeff Scott, he, he got his pick of the guys that he wanted. These are the three guys that at the beginning of the year, they sat down and they targeted and they went after them and they got them. So if you trust Jeff Scott's evaluation and boy, are we developing a track record and being able to, you know, develop a uh, wide receiver talent that goes to the NFL. So it's, you know, it's kind of hard to go against wide receiver you right now. If, if Jeff Scott says that these are the guys that we want and, and they're at the top of the list well, I, you know, I think we should give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, and, and this is coming from me, right? Who never gives the benefit of the doubt uh, to the Clemson coaching staff. <laughs> uh, so, Cornell Powell is—he uh, doesn't have the speed. That is the one thing that maybe he lacks compared to super elite wide receivers, because I think he he had a four-six laser time, four-six, which isn't bad. You know, that's probably. Um, a, a, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what Scott's running right now, but you know, laser time four, six isn't, isn't great, but it's not, you know, it's not awful or anything, but everything else he does is really good. He high points the ball. He's tough runner after the catch. He runs good routes actually. Um, he, you know, he could play the two or the five, I mean, he could play a lot of positions for us, but he can run jet sweeps. He does that tunnel screens and things. He excels at those in his high school system and, and, um, and his hands, dynamic hands, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot that you can critique and certainly not three-star level. So I think he, um, he will be able to come in and, and he's, he's kind of sneaky good, right? He's six foot one. He, so he's not doing, he, he doesn't look, you know, like amazing. Like, Oh, he's this, uh, you know, in the 2017 class, right? JJ Robinson looks like a 35 year old man, right? I mean, he is a beast, he, uh, you know, he looks like the next Sammy Watkins, right? He's uh, this crazy elite speed, great hands, huge. He just looks like it. But Cornell Powell was kind of sneaky good. Uh, just six foot one, but he's compact. He's he's built really well um, and with, you know, strength in his legs and things. And and he's one of those elusive, like quick agility runners on the open field, kind of like Ray-Ray McLeod uh, is in this, that same kind of, Mold. I mean, not, not the elite quickness that that Ray Ray has, but it's kind of sneaky good in the open field. And so I think he'll uh, really surprise a lot of people, and I think he'll work his way into the two deep next year. Um, and then you got DeAndre Overton, right, who uh, fills the need at for height. Uh, and I think we talked about you know this in a few podcasts before, but you know you can't teach six foot four, six foot five basketball skills ability to high point the ball he doesn't have the burning you know he's not a burner he's not gonna beat you down the line right now he's got to develop that a little bit more but he's really great in intermediate routes and things and i think uh you know he's not a possession receiver but he he will be able to be a matchup nightmare and you know kind of in the the toolkit of the offensive coordinator to say you know at the goal line in certain matchups you got a small uh cornerback or like a small quick cornerback. Well, I'm going to put in DeAndre Overton and we're going to uh just throw it up there and he's going to grab it and and you won't be able to do anything about it. And that's kind of what I think the these wide receivers and this class kind of does. It complements really well the existing pieces that Clemson already has. And and you know, TJ Chase is Florida, uh, speed, you know, I mean, he was at IMG. He's, he's a really talented player as well. He high points the ball. He's a little bit, he's six foot two. So he's a little bit taller than Powell. Uh, and, and he has every chance to be able to play too. I, I saw some, and I forget who it was, who was kind of like saying that, you know, he had the Semper Fi game. Chase had a ball bounce off his helmet. Like who cares? Give me a break. Uh, you know, they are basing their evaluation on his ability on that one play, like, Oh, you know, he's not going to be able to be that. That just shows, you know, that's lazy. You, know, you go back to his film. He has some of the best and better film of, uh, of wide receivers in this class. So, you know, absolutely. TJ chase is going to be a great wide receiver for us and make an impact in the future as well. So those are three high quality guys, you know, they'll need a little bit of time in the system, uh, to really kind of develop, Uh, to their, their potentials, right? There no, no Sammy Watkins here, no kind of like instant impact Deion Cain, even like last year, who was able to, who I was huge on kind of having an instant impact, but these guys will be quality players for us uh, in the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And something you wrote about, which I thought was really interesting was that these guys are a little bit more polished, true receivers. Some guys in the top of this class at the wide receiver position are just athletes that, Aren't really developed. I mean, almost you can almost say it's kind of like Ray Ray McLeod and Deion McCain or Deion Kane uh, from last year, just a lot of talent. But then, uh, you know, then eventually they'll, they'll evolve and, and progress. And then you have like these more polished guys. It's just like you said, nice
1: complimentary parts. That sounds good. I like, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I wrote that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, well, I think you said that, uh, yeah, I think you said, like, some of these guys, I think, like, Craig Nate Myers, for example, is one of these guys. Like, oh, yeah. Guys. He's just not, he's not, and McColl Hardman, uh, you know, they're not wide receivers. So, yeah. Hey, we'll take Cornel Powell all day over, over a guy that can't catch.
1: Yeah, well, and then, like, look at George Campbell last year, right? I mean, I kept saying to everyone, hey, you know, he's a freakish athlete. He's going to put it together, but he doesn't have great hands, you know, and and you can't really teach Hands in the way that you can teach like route running, right? It's it's one of the um, you know, it's kind of an intangible almost, and and you can improve your hands. I'm not saying that, um, but you know that people were kind of projecting him to be this five star all everything guy, and it's like, well, he, he keeps dropping balls, guys. You know, like uh, this is going to take some time for him to overcome. A uh, Dion Kane, you know, he needed to learn how to be a wide receiver, but he had natural kind of uh, ball skills and, and, uh, and athleticism as well. Um, that, you know, a guy like George Campbell didn't necessarily have, but yeah, I think Powell, I think chase, these are guys that are wide receivers. They're, they're a bit more polished in, in their technique. And, and, uh, and in that regard, I think they'll be able to have a a quicker kind of trajectory. Right. And
0: even though we might not need it, but it's, it's good to have, um, if you know, you never know what could happen. So Looking at uh, looking at the offensive line, we're kind of just and, and by the way, sprinkle in your your Twitter questions if it's, oh. <laughs> if it's relevant because some of those are really good. I will, I will. Um, but we can look. Like, I mean, the first commitment of the, I think the class, maybe the second guy was Sean Pollard. Um, it, it seems like a pretty darn good class, you know. All said, even though we lost out on a few few guys here and there, and then you know, Big John the commitment today, so. Uh, What what do you think of the offensive line class? And you can even maybe even mention a bit on like 2017.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's the, the, this class is solid, not spectacular. Right. Uh, And I'm going to use Florida state as my barometer here. They brought in six guys and they landed, you know, Landon uh, Dickerson here at the end. Um, So they have, uh, you know, kind of an elite class at offensive line and we've brought in, you know, really good guys, um, that fit our scheme as well um, and and so it's a solid class last year we kind of had the fireworks right with with our uh, offensive uh, line takes with with Hyatt and from Morgan who are going to be starters next year who you know Mitch Hyatt gave up what two sacks I think all year is what he got attributed for we don't have a guy like that in this class but these guys are going to be solid and uh, and make contributions we we really like Pollard early on we targeted him we targeted him over other guys um and i think with these takes you see coach caldwell's preference for guys who can be outside and and inside you know interior players as well as you know being flexible to move outside if needed um and so that's what you get with the like he might stick at right tackle for example but he he can move in and be really really good on the inside as well um i i like uh Tremaine Ankrum as a sleeper pick for, for this class. Everybody's like, Oh, he's a three-star and oh, you know, kind of, uh, I, I don't know. He almost gets put to put in a fallback position, but this is a guy that coach Caldwell really wanted. He was always high on our board. We were trying to get him from the beginning. He has really long arms, comes from a great program in Georgia out there in powder Springs. And, uh, um, I think, he'll be able to surprise a lot of people with his progression. And I'm a big fan of, uh, of Simpson, of big John. And I almost had a heart attack when he reached for that Florida Gator cap. I was, oh man, I was freaking out. Literally had to, had to get a drink of water there and, and compose myself. Cause I, you know, I had my finger on the button ready to push commit. I was like, he's going to, you know, he's going to commit for our story. And, and when he reached for the game, i i was freaked out no i really like uh, uh big john i think um he may not have the 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 thing i really love about the 2017 class is these guys are are mean road graders maulers right i mean they they are really kind of tough-nosed players <laughs> um playing to the whistle like to the very end of the whistle uh, smart guys so they you know not out of control or anything but but they are mean um and and I don't know if Big John has that like killer instinct in him, but once he locks and he engages with a player on the interior, he moves them um and and so I think his feet his ability to um to to pull to get out in space um you know all of these guys I think will will have a progression in terms of pad level and and playing with good leverage and things and and they'll have a rude awakening, especially with our defensive line. Um, as soon as they, you know, we have two of them on campus too. And that, that's really good. Uh, Pollard and, and Ingram are already on, on camp. Oh, as Reeves, on? no, he's, he's, he's coming in later. Uh, and, and Chandler, Reeves, you know, I was really, uh, maybe too harsh on him in the, in my review. He's a project, you know, he's got to gain weight and we'll see where he's at. he, he played against kind of low level competition, but he's got long arms and he's got uh, a nice frame and he'll, he'll have the ability, you know, in two years or so to, to contribute. So, uh, you know, I think it's a quality line. I don't see anybody kind of stepping in immediately. I, I hope we don't need anybody uh, immediately stepping in with this class. Um, but they'll give us good depth and, uh, and you know, I th- maybe there's a chance at the end of the season that we, we don't redshirt these guys. But, you know, I'm hoping that we'll redshirt most of them, if not all yeah I was gonna
0: ask you about the guy that could step in immediately, but hopefully that will be the case you can we can get a red shirt um
1: Pollard probably has the best shot, and he'll who depending you know it depends on the, these guys' progressions right and their acclimation to putting on a little bit more weight and playing at that speed and, and they all need to gain a little bit more strength. I don't see anybody that's kind of coming in as a as a chiseled kind of product uh the way that that Hyatt I mean you know Hyatt and for Morgan need to gain weight too, but th- those guys had. Uh, technical proficiency beyond their 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 years, right? They they were schooled as uh, you know high caliber linemen in their programs in a way that I don't see any of these guys. Well, except for Ankrum, he has I think uh, a little bit further along in, in in with regards to his technique. So all those guys will have a little bit more of a progression with with regards to learning the intricacies of the game.
0: Yeah, but yeah, great great uh, kind of way to. Pick off the or pick up from the momentum from 2015 though. Either way, some guys that maybe you don't have to play them right away, but in two three years, and we can have a consistently above average, if not really good, offensive line. So,
1: yeah, and the, all the the 2017 guys. I mean, like half our class is already done. It's crazy um, in terms of numbers with with who's committed now and and who will be committing in the near future. Uh, we didn't have any signing day. Somebody asked a question about signing day commitments. We didn't have any because Gary was supposed to be the fireworks. And you know, why would you add on to the Gary fireworks? Um, but we'll have in the, the coming weeks that the, certainly by the end of this month, you'll, we'll have a few more commitments that, that come along. Um, so, you know, uh, basically half our class is already done, uh, for 2017. And I love the, the offensive line guys that we have right now. They're, the, the stars I you know I'm always like very hesitant to look at stars for especially for offensive linemen this early in the year because the you know people uh, the recruiting services haven't had a really good uh, chance to evaluate a lot of these players so you you know you're looking at offers more at this stage than than uh, than with other position groups and these guys have a lot of great offers we we stole some players um. Uh, well, we got you know Buckworth, We we got fortunate with him because Ohio State uh, and and I think some of the other regional talents weren't looking to add true guards. They're looking for more tackles in this class, and so he kind of slipped through the, the cracks in a in a certain way. Even though that's hard to do for an offensive lineman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But um, but uh, you know, I think. Uh, He was, you know, we were very fortuitous in that recruitment. And, and the fact that like an Ohio state didn't go after him has nothing to do with his talent level. Uh, Noah DeHaan is just like, you know, he's a massive man, six foot seven. Those, those are all really good pieces that we should be, you know, those are uh, borderline elite level um, recruits that we've got on the offensive line for 2017.
0: Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think I, I'm getting excited about like three or four years from now, but I, I really am, especially when you, when you couple that with uh, the quarterbacks that are coming down the pike. So speaking of that, uh, Zarek Cooper and Tavion Teaster, maybe the last two guys from the yeah. offense, but we missed JC chalk. You know, we'll talk about him later. He, he's a good player. Um, but Zarek Cooper, I, he looks kind of like Deshaun Watson, maybe, uh, maybe not quite as, Refined. I don't know. What's your take on his ability or his his chances to come in and get meaningful playing time in the next two years?
1: Well, he'll challenge, you know, Bryant uh, for that for the the you know who's going to be the next. Qu- We're going to have a crazy quarterback battle there with Cooper uh, and uh, and uh, with the five stars that we have. Well, f- five and four star with Chase Bryce and uh, and uh, Hunter johnson right um, all these names sorry I'm trying to maintain everything here uh that is going to be a crazy uh wider or a quarterback battle uh in that year because all of those guys are going to be really talented um cooper is less of a dual threat so he would take our offense in a little bit of a different direction we'll see how mobile he gets uh, how much mobility he, he kind of regains from his uh, ACL his knee injury, um, but uh, he, he's a little bit more of a, a pocket passer than these other guys. Not to say that he can't move, but but um, you know even, even like Hunter Johnson and Chase Price, I think are are more dual threat uh, quarterbacks than than Cooper. But he's got a good arm, um, and uh, and that'll be a, quite the, the the quarterback battle uh, going into that after Deshaun goes to the NFL next year. Uh, we'd all love for him to stay around another year, but he's, he's going to the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Just thinking for his good work and then,
0: you know, good luck in the NFL. Absolutely.
1: Um, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I, I have, I, I, I haven't, you know, he, he ha he had a kind of a late progression in his senior year. Um he he was a bit rusty I think early on and and he didn't go to the camps and things as well because he had the knee injury for his junior year. So we'll we'll really see as he as fall camp rolls around, I think, just where his talent level is right now. I'm not sure we know kind of where his ceiling really is. He has a a, a good arm and I don't have any problems with his arm strength. Um, and it, you know, but he'll need to develop accuracy and all those things. So Feaster, let's talk Feaster. Cause he's a polarizing figure, um, in this recruitment, right? Uh, Dabo um, said that he may have to have shoulder surgery. I was hoping it wouldn't be, it wasn't that, uh, uh, kind of big of a injury. So we'll see if that impacts his ability to contribute this year. But, um, you know, he's, he runs a laser time, four, three, four. He's a thousand yard rusher, thousand yard receiver, uh, in high school, great hands coming out of the backfield. He can give you a change of pace back that we don't currently have on the roster. Um, and despite the numbers that we have at, at running back, I think he, if he's healthy, um, he will he will definitely play, and I hope I hope that he's healthy because I hope he gets dialed in, plugged in, um, and because uh, if he does that, I, I don't think there'll be any problems with him and with regards to you know personality and fit and culture and all those things. Um, I, I I think that the, the his showing at the All Star games is a bit kind of overblown, um, and once he actually is part of the team and once he gets dialed in. Uh, he'll, he'll be a dynamic player for us in the future. And he needs to be because we only, you know, we've only taken one running back and we're, we're not look you know, next year we might take one. We, uh, I'm not sure if that's, if that's for, for certain. Um, and so he'll be a key piece going forward.
0: Yeah. What do you take of his, or what do you think of his, um, I guess he dropped a little bit in the, in the ratings. The, I think most services brought him down from what was close to a five-star to I don't know, even out of the top 100. Right. Is that, I don't know if that's like a work ethic thing or if they just, he, he didn't impress as much during his senior year. I, what does that come down to?
1: Um, my personal view is that recruiting analysts really do not like it when you give them these and you give players invites to their, uh, camps and things and you don't put in a hundred percent effort and, uh, and they view that as like a red flag. um, you know, there may be something to, uh, work ethic and things here. There, there may be something to that, but I don't think it is any reflection of talent. So, so it's a question of like, what are your, uh, rankings reflecting? Um, are they a reflection of like pure talent or are you projecting recruits into the future? Um, so if it's pure talent, he's a five-star player. I mean, there's no way around it. Uh, based on his, his film, his senior year and things, He's absolutely a five-star talent, but you know, if you're going to take in other external factors and project onto him based upon your limited view of him over the course of a few weekends and, and a few little, um, you know, uh, all-star weekends, practices and things, um, then, then maybe that's, that's legitimate to drop him a little bit. I, I still don't think you would ever drop him out of the top 100. Uh, I think that's just kind of, uh, yeah, I, I don't agree with that. Um, and you know, I mean, so, so at the, uh, at the shrine bowl practice, you know, he was kind of hot and cold, right? One day he, he, uh, was kind of injured and the next day he's really great. And at the army all American game, you know, one, same thing. Like he's, he, he sat out one day and then the next day he goes in and he's really great. So, uh, and then he doesn't play in the game, right? Cause he got a cut in his mouth. Um, so, you know, the, uh, Fair enough. You, you think he, his work ethic or whatever, but I, I think at Clemson, especially with uh, the system and the culture that we have in place, he'll he's going to be absolutely fine. Um, and, uh, and he's definitely a take. He's definitely a talented player. There's no denying that.
0: No, I am certainly looking forward to him. I've been looking forward to him for a while and you're right. Like when you, you watch him on film, he's every bit of a five-star talent. So hopefully he can, it, it all comes to fruition in Clemson. Um yeah, you know, we pretty much hit on everybody here. I, I guess, like, t- <laughs> well, it, it would be nice to have you on every, like, you know, every so often, maybe every other month at least, just to kind of bring this in, like, pieces as opposed to all at once. But um, what, what do you think, like, looking around the league, around the nation, you, you mentioned a little bit about uh, like Florida State just having such uh-huh. a great class. Um, any other thoughts that, that kind of come to mind uh, for National Signing Day?
1: Well, I think one of the, one of the storylines – from today is is the national brand that Clemson has. I mean, we rode the uh, the national championship run, but we're emerging as a national brand. We pulled from Connecticut. We pulled. We you know we were. Every bit we we thought we were going to pull from New Jersey, Kansas. We go and get the two of the top three players in the state of Kansas, Florida. We, you know, we, we are deeply ingrained in Florida and we continue to make inroads into the state of Georgia. So our presence, we're kind of flexing our muscles. We we can go into North Carolina and get the players that we want. Um, You know, Dexter Lawrence is a great example in-state schools in North Carolina are not beating Clemson for the top recruits. In the state of South Carolina, we are able to dominate over South Carolina, uh, at least for now. Uh, you know, and I, I think Muschamp is a good recruiter, and he he's going to pull out all the stops to try and be successful, if uh, if that makes sense to any of you out there. Um, and, you know, and he actually, I think, did a, a pretty good job with the hand he was dealt for this class in uh, in upgrading some of those you know two stars to three stars and a few four stars and things you got some good good players brunson rico Dowdle and uh, uh a few of those wide receivers i think will, will be good for them um but but definitely like clemson is uh is a national brand now and uh and, and that will only continue into 2017 uh, the other big storyline though is my goodness florida state rebounded with such a strong class that it's got me worried uh for the future you know next year um it, they uh they have to deal with Deshaun watson but then after that what's going to happen they have 17 composite four-star rated or higher players in this in this uh class i mean that is a lot of kind of across the board talent that they brought in six really talented offensive linemen uh, maybe the best offensive line class, and uh, and some really good DBs. Uh, Levanta Taylor, who I talked about earlier, is a freak athlete. I mean, he's a top 10 kind of prospect. Um, and they have some other really kind of good pieces at linebacker. I really like uh, Brian Burns at defensive end. I was really hoping he would go elsewhere. Um, so Florida State is is – going to be uh you know it's florida state and it's clemson at the top and we're recruiting top talent it's going to make stay like that and it's going to be a dogfight. fight it's going to be a battle every single year uh to try and maintain our position so um national brand reloading on defense for next year for a run to the the playoff but we have to you know uh recruit against florida state here moving forward because um they are uh reestablishing, i think themselves as soon as they find a quarterback i mean they have uh, malik henry in this class who might be that guy for them as soon as they find another quarterback i think they'll be able to put it all together and we'll have to watch out
0: yeah i mean it's it's make or break with florida state every year it seems um and the winner will be probably the, the team that'll go to the playoff from uh hopefully the next four years and hopefully clemson wins the you know the, the majority of those uh, yeah. matchups. hey so I, I was going to ask you, like, I think the odds right now are 7-1 to one, uh, for Clemson win the national championship. Uh, are you going to go ahead and book your ticket to Tampa, buy your playoff ticket in advance? Like, what's your <laughs> thought? If you had to make a prediction right now.
1: Um, if we had landed Rashawn Gary, then then I I would be on board with that boat and that line of thinking. Um, now, you know, i got to wait and see – how the defensive backs are going to all kind of come together. Wiggins is, I think, a key piece of the puzzle moving it forward in the defensive end. I mean, we have the offensive weapons. It's going to be ridiculously good on offense. Um, you know, we just have to replace, you know, McLean uh, on offense, I think, uh, at the, the left guard position. And, we, you know, we have the, the, the guys to be able to do that, to really click on offense. Mike Williams is going to be awesome. So offense is good. Defensive end, defensive back is the the positions I'm worried about, and linebacker depth and being able to build uh, linebacker depth. So let's see how Wiggins does. Let's see how these defensive ends progress. Um, I think those are the questions kind of moving into uh, – into uh, spring. And, uh, and those are the, the areas right on defense that might hold us back. But my goodness, like last year, you know, we were saying, I was saying the same thing, like uh, defensive end and Dodd emerged, uh, you know, and, uh, and linebacker depth. And, uh, and we were able to ride Boulware and Goodson as long and as far as we could. And it was awesome. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't count out Brent Venables and, and his ability with Brooks and with hobby to retool a defense and to be creative. I mean, we have the talent, we have the pieces to be able to do it.
0: Yeah. The, the interior line, uh, you know, we, we could go yeah, with, yeah. by position group, but uh, yeah, at least we know there's one thing you can't take away from us or that we can take away from
1: opponents and that's the interior line in their run game. So, and looking at our schedule, we don't face like really high quality uh, quarterbacks who can, ch- you know, kind of dismantle us in, in the backfield, uh, in, in the secondary, sorry. Um, you know, a lot of these teams are run first oriented offenses and we are able to stop the run better than anybody in the country. And I think that'll continue next year. If we can continue to set the edge, I mean, we, we're going to, we're going to lose Lawson. We're going to lose Dodd. And those guys were key at being able to do that. But our interior line is so stout that, that, that is something that we'll be able to continue to do. And then, you know, you work from there. Right. And so if we can stop the run, especially against the ACC teams that we face and, and Auburn, um, you know, we'll be, that that goes a long way to being able to win uh, win a lot of games uh, if you can do that if you can stop the run first,
0: right? And uh, as you know, the the offense. Uh, and I don't think it's hyperbole to say that historically good could be could be uh it could be in the cards with Deshaun Watson, like you said, returning everyone but McLean. So
1: Heisman I mean, candidate. I mean, I you know what else can you say? Right? I mean, yeah, it, it could be historically good. Absolutely. So we got it. We got to get you on because what else are we going to do
0: in the next seven months signing days over? Granted, we will get some new uh, 2017 recruits coming on, but uh, it's it's always fun to look forward to next year, especially when you actually have a chance, you know, a very legitimate chance to win a national championship makes it even more exciting. So
1: I think one thing that uh, would be great to kind of think about um, for two months down the road maybe is to talk about what Clemson does differently than other schools uh, in recruiting and just kind of culture wise. Cause a lot of people um, of course want to say, Oh, you guys are just paying for all your players, but there are little things that Clemson does with the staff that give us this kind of advantage. And, um, and, you know, on top of just having great coaches and a great staff um, you know, and staff continuity, that's the other thing I think is really kind of undervalued that Dabo Sweeney has been able to, to mine. And And maybe, so, in two months, we can talk about you know what what does this uh Clemson staff do that's so different that gives us that advantage in recruiting and how is that translating into the 2017 class
0: yeah, that's that's a great topic and along with pay for play that's that's a big Ooh, option. Yes. so uh i'll ha- I'll have you uh, kind of do your thinking come loaded with some knowledge and uh, hopefully really go toe to toe with Ben, who he's very old school so anyway uh <laughs> Anyway, well, it's great having you. I know the guys from uh, SCS love you know listening to you, so we'll, we'll definitely have you on again. And man, what what a what a 2016 class!
1: Woohoo! Yeah, no, I I wish we got Gary, but uh, this is a you know a top ten class. It's awesome.
0: Keep them coming. Yeah, thanks, QT. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.